0: Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. It is so good to be here in the house of the Lord today. It's great to have you here. I wish we could have Easter Sunday every Sunday. Amen. But we do. We do. We don't We don't celebrate a day. We celebrate the reason for the day and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody ought to praise Him right now. Yes. Thank you for life. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Mm. Our rushers are going to help me right now. They're going to pass out to you an index card and if you would hold that To the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to participate with me at the conclusion of our service. I really feel the Lord has given me a word for today. And I would pray that every one of you could receive that word. And that you would allow the Lord of glory to come in and do what He is so good at doing. And that's bringing life. Amen. I like what the book of Acts said about Him. When Peter was... Speaking on the day of Pentecost, he talked about the crucifixion and the resurrection and he said it had to be so because death could not hold him. Death could not hold him. Years ago, Albert Einstein was debating with uh, the the wise men of science about gravity and the pull of gravity and... They were arguing back and forth that if you held a string at one place in the earth and you went to another point in the earth and held a string down, that they would all hang straight down to the ground because of gravity. Einstein said, no, you're wrong. He said, they will not hang straight down. They will hang in a curve. And they didn't believe him, and so he said, all right, let's do it. So they built towers in different places in the earth and At a particular time, they dropped the plumb line and lo and behold, it was not straight down, it was at a curve. And when they gathered back together, they asked Mr. Einstein, How did you know what told you? And all he could say was, It had to be so. There's some things about life that you can't explain and one of them is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can talk about it all day long, and we can debate and argue, but the fact is, there is an empty tomb. I said there is an empty tomb. It had to be so. I said it had to be so. Praise God. Praise God. A man was asked one time why he had converted from an Eastern religion to Christianity. And he said, well, it's very simple. If you were walking down an unknown highway and you came to a fork in the road and there was a dead man and an alive man, which one do you think you would want to listen to? Some of you didn't get that, but he's alive this morning. Come on, let's praise him together right now. Oh, yes, Lord, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Hallelujah. For your consideration, if you would turn with me to the book of John, the third chapter, I am going to read one of the most often quoted and memorized verses in Scripture, one that is often referred to, especially at times like this, but especially this morning, I want to draw your attention to it. Chapter 3 and verse number 16, most of you can quote it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love the word of God, but I especially love this verse because it describes to me something about God that's almost indescribable. For God so loved the world. Everybody say, He so loved. He so loved the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's so. He loved the world. Ephesians, the third chapter, and verse number 17. Paul, writing to the Ephesian Christian, said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God that we might be able to comprehend the length and the depth and the breadth and the height of the love of God. That somehow you could put your hands around that message this morning. That is my prayer. My subject today is Easter. Something bigger than life. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated and smile as you're going down. Because you're in the best place you could be in all of the world. That's the house of God. Come on, let's praise him together again. <clears throat> praise God. Who would have expected that a cemetery would be one of Southern California's top tourist attractions? But in 1917, Dr. Hubert Eaton wanted to change the way Americans felt about death. And so he developed Forest Lawn memorial cemetery in glendale california it was the first memorial park in the united states it was a combination of beauty art landscape chapels museums splashing fountains swans sculptures and of course room for a quarter million graves over a million people Come to visit Forest Lawn Memorial Park every year to walk its 600 acres. For there in Forest Lawn Memorial Park, you can stand within six feet of superstars like Clark Gable and Jimmy Stewart and Humphrey Bogart, Walt Disney or Red Skelton or the famous comedy duo George Burns and Gracie Allen. Visitors can also view in this park exact replicas of Michelangelo's greatest works, including David and Moses and the Piazza. There, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper has been recreated in stained glass. And as you can only imagine, Forest Lawn is a popular spot even for weddings. Among the highlights of this particular park, there are two Of the world's largest paintings. The Crucifixion and the Resurrection. Both by Polish artist, Han Steka. The Crucifixion is the larger of the two paintings. And it has a breathtaking immensity of 195 feet wide and 45 feet tall. Now to give you perspective. When you drove into our property this morning from the fence on this side to our property line on this side is approximately 210 feet. The painting that I'm talking about would stretch the width of our our property and be twice as tall as our ceiling is that you are presently sitting in. So if you can grasp in your mind the enormity of that painting you would understand what I want to talk to you about this morning. For it is there, depicted perhaps one of the greatest images of that eventful day. And it was this painting that came to the United States in 1904. It was sent to the St. Louis World's Fair, but it was impounded because of tax issues. While it was impounded, they had no place anywhere in St. Louis that was large enough to house it. There was no building. There was no chapel. There was no church. There was no museum. And so they stored this painting in a large warehouse. Until several years later when the owner of Forest Lawn purchased the painting. And he built a chapel in that cemetery in California where that painting can be viewed, 195 feet long and 45 feet tall. Perhaps the artist's greatest message in this massive painting is not just the resurrection. It's not just the crucifixion, I should say. But it is the simple fact that the crucifixion as well as the resurrection, are really bigger than life. They are larger than life. They are larger than death. They are larger than our ability to comprehend. The crucifixion and the the resurrection reveal to us The love of God, the love that is so vast and so deep and so wide and so long that our minds literally cannot fathom what we are talking about. God's love is greater than the tongue of the orator or the pen of the writer or the stroke of the artist's brush, none of them can adequately tell about the amazing grace of God and the love of God that was displayed at Calvary and by way of the Easter resurrection. When you gaze upon this masterpiece and you stand looking at its immensity, you see again a picture of the incredible love of God The great joy of Easter is just, it's not just about a day. There are a lot of people that love to come on Easter Sunday to church and we celebrate an event. But Easter is more than a day. It's more than an event. Easter Sunday, Easter morning, was a purpose and a plan and a day of remembrance for every person. It is about a plan. It is about a purpose. And it is about a great promise given to mankind. And it involves far more than a day. Somebody might say, well, why are you talking about the crucifixion when this is Easter Sunday resurrection morning? Because you cannot talk about the result of something without first talking about the cause of it. Easter Sunday is the result of something. It is the result of a plan. It's the result of a promise. It's the result of a dream and a desire. It is the result of a purposeful act of God. But what happened behind the scene, what happened the days before, is critically important. You cannot rejoice in the result until you fully comprehend the cause of that result. And that, my friend, was the cause. That, my friend, was what makes us celebrate Easter Sunday. It's what He was willing to do on the cross, and what He was willing to suffer in my place. And somebody said, Amen. Why did He go to Calvary? And what did He do at Calvary? Is far more than just die... As an unwarranted death. He did more than just die an unnatural death. He did more than just die a martyr's death. At Calvary, the Bible says he blotted out our transgressions. Colossians chapter 2 will tell you exactly what he did. The Bible said that he took the handwriting of ordinances that were against us. All of the things that we were guilty of. He took those ordinances uh, that were to our charge. Those things that had our name on them. And He took them to a tree. And the Bible says uh, that He nailed those things to that cross. Uh, He nailed those ordinances uh, that were against me. He nailed those sins that were to my charge. He took what was my fault... And He took it to His cross and He nailed it there. And by nailing it there, it literally means He has wiped out the charges against me. But by nailing those things to the cross, He had taken on Himself my sin. And when He nailed those things to the cross, He took on the responsibility for paying that debt And when he nailed it there, it was signed, sealed, and delivered that this has been taken care of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was the custom of the ancient world that a man's debt could be canceled in such a way that if a man had a debt against his life, whoever he owed that debt to, could take his debt and he would take a nail and he would take a board and he would take that paper and nail it to that board and then he would set it out in front of his house and there for everybody to pass by. They could see that by nailing it to that board, by nailing those things to that board, that the charges that were against that man had been canceled. It meant it was covered. It was taken care of. It had been dealt with. So when Jesus Christ went to Calvary... He took everything that was against me. He took everything that would affect me. He took every pain that I would ever feel in my body. He took every sickness and disease that would ever attack the human body. And He nailed those things to His cross. You want to know why I celebrate Easter this morning? Because something that was my fault was nailed to a tree. And He said, I have got you covered. I have got you covered. I have got you covered. Amen. Why don't we do some things this morning that will be helpful to us? Why don't we take some things this morning that we have been wrestling with? Things that we have been struggling with. Things that we've been battling in our mind. Maybe sin or maybe a habit that you can't break. Why don't we do what he's already done and nail it to a cross? Why don't we take those things that badger us and trouble us And calls us sleepless nights. Why don't we today celebrate what He did for us on that day. By one more time nailing them to a cross. And saying you know what sin you have been covered. Sin you have been dealt with. Sorrow you have been dealt with. Sickness you have been dealt with. Pain you have been dealt with. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Those things that are robbing you of your peace this morning, why don't you nail it to His cross and let it be taken care of. Those things that are against you this morning, those things that worry you this morning, why don't you nail them to the cross. Why don't you do what He's already done? But in your mind, it would help some of you understand that's been taken care of. That's been taken care of. That's been dealt with. God's already taken care of that. And so I'm going to do in my own life what He has already done for me at Calvary. I too am going to nail them to a cross. By nailing them there, it meant they were covered They were taken care of. You don't ever have to deal with them again. You don't ever have to go back to them. The failures that you can't seem to overcome. The past you can't seem to get past. The mistakes that you make. When you bring them to the cross and you leave them there, you are giving them to Him. When you nail it to the cross, you are saying, Lord, I leave this with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I leave this with you. Somebody needs to leave some things with him this morning. It is no wonder then, when the writer begins to consider the unexplainable, the undeniable, enduring, everlasting, never dying love of God, that he could not think of it as a single dimension thing. But he speaks about it in four dimensions. He speaks about it in the form of a cube. The number four in Hebrew is a number that represents completion. The heavenly city, New Jerusalem, is four square, which means it is complete. There's nothing lacking in that place. There's nothing missing. There's nothing left out. There's nothing forgotten. How many times have you and I built a house And we've tried to think of every detail, everything that we want in that house. And we get it built and move in. And the first thing we notice when we get in is something we overlooked. But he said of this city called New Jerusalem, I haven't left anything out. I haven't forgotten anything. I haven't overlooked anything. It's complete. And when Paul wanted to talk to me about his love He said, I want to talk to you about a love that is four-dimensional. I want to talk to you about a love that's complete. It doesn't miss anything. His love didn't overlook anything. His love didn't ignore anything. His love didn't walk by anything. He said, my love has covered it all. Nothing is missing. Nothing is overlooked. Nothing is left out. Nothing. And Paul said, oh, I pray that you might comprehend that love this morning. That you might understand the love of God and its length or breadth. Everybody say breadth. The breadth of the love of God. The reach of the love of God. When we speak of the breadth of the love of God, we are understanding that there is no limit to His love. It speaks of its immenseness and its extent. It's expanse that it covers and where it reaches and what it will reach to. The vastness of the field, the covering of every kind of sin, every kind of failure, every kind of mistake, every kind of shortcoming. All of those were included in the breadth of the love of God. I want your mind to sink into that right now. That God's love, it is so wide that it can encompass and cover every kind of sin, every kind of failure, every kind of mistake, every kind of sickness, every kind of disease, every kind of shortcoming, every kind of weakness. His love encompasses all needs. Everybody say all needs. It encompasses all cares. The things that you are worried about, he carried those things to the cross. Many things that you deal with in life are not sins, but they are worries. You worry about this. You worry about that. You worry about whether this is going to work. You worry about whether this is going to happen. And he said, I have already taken your worries. I took them to my cross and I nailed them to that cross. And I nailed them there because I wanted you to know I have it covered. There's not a sin in the world that He has not committed His love to. No one can say that they are excluded. No one can say that they are an outcast. His love embraces all. Everybody say all. Come on, say it, all. His love embraces all. All people, all nations, all problems, all sin, all failure, all mistakes. His love has a breadth to it. It has a reach to it. It spreads itself wide and covers me so that I can know that I can never be beyond the reach of God's love never beyond the reach of God's love. Paul wanted me to understand that when we talk about the length of the love of God, that we are trying to understand its eternal duration. It speaks of its endurance. Love from God is not something that is here today and gone tomorrow. But His love is faithful. His love is long-suffering. His love has no beginning and it has no end. How do you know that? Because the Bible tells me that God is love and God has no beginning and God has no end. And it never fails. His love never fails. Listen to me. The love of God never fails. Why do you know that? Because He can never fail. And if He is loved, then His love can never fail. That means no matter where you are this morning, the love of God still reaches out to you. It still reaches out to you. The length of His love is its strength, its surviving power, its ability to defy time and accidents and any other contingency. How long is His love? It is as long as human life. Never does it lapse, never does it waver, never does it weary, never falters, never fluctuates. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no mathematical formula that can compute the great force that is called the love of God. Hallelujah. The love of God proves itself constant and dependable from the time you take your first breath. Until you take your very last. The Bible said he loved them unto the end. Even the highest human love that I know breaks down at some point. But God's love never breaks down. It never wearies. Whatever our attitude toward God might be. Never changes his attitude toward us. He loved me then. He loves me now. 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 He dealt with my problems back then. He wants to deal with my problems right now. He dealt with my sickness back then. He wants to deal with my sickness right now. Hallelujah. Oh, the length of the love of God. Hallelujah. When we talk about the depth of His love, we speak of love's condescension. We talk about the stoop of divine love. The fact that love came down to us and it came down within our reach. To commune with us, God had to come down. Down to our sin. Down to our misery. Down into our pain. To bear with our faults. It speaks of what he is willing to sacrifice and endure. The stoop beneath whatever is weighting me down in order to carry that load. How deep is the love of God? How deep is the love of God? The love of God is as deep as life. However deep life goes, underneath that are the everlasting arms of God. Sin goes deep, but love Goes deeper. Hallelujah. Do you hear me this morning? Sin goes deep. But love goes deeper. Failure goes deep. But love goes deeper. Misery goes deep. But love goes deeper. Hallelujah. Oh could I talk about sorrow this morning. Sorrows go deep. Sorrows go deep. But can I tell you that love goes deeper? Love goes deeper. Wherever you are this morning, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with in your life, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. His love goes deeper than your guilt. Oh, guilt goes deep. As a matter of fact, it's so deep in some people this morning, they can't even live a normal life. You can't even walk, you can't even function normally because of the guilt. You're so afraid somebody's gonna find you out. It is so deep inside of you that a psychologist working on you day and night from now until Jesus comes couldn't get some of it out of you. But I've come to tell you this morning that at the cross, he dealt with that guilt. At the cross, he nailed that guilt to a tree at the cross he said I've got that covered now why don't some of you take the guilt that's troubling your mind and spirit and bring it to a cross this morning and say you know what I want to get rid of that I want to let go of what he has already taken care of I want to let go of what he has already dealt with oh yeah guilt goes deep It goes deep. It goes so deep it'll mess up your marriage. It'll mess up every good relationship you have in life. It'll cause you to keep making mistake on top of mistake on top of mistake. Going from one bad relationship to another. But I've come to tell somebody that however deep guilt goes, love goes deeper. (sighs) however deep it's rooted in your spirit this morning, the love of God is going deeper than that guilt. That's what Calvary means. That's what the resurrection is about. It's not about an Easter bunny. It's about a God who loved me so much that He wouldn't leave anything out. He wouldn't overlook anything. He wouldn't forget anything. And He would deal with everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've seen some people fall to some unfathomable depths. I've seen some people that have become so coarse in life and so vile that nobody wanted to be around them. But I have never found anybody that can fall so low that the love of God cannot reach them. Do you hear me this morning? I've never found anybody that's fallen so low that his love cannot reach them. The poet said, Still, thy love, O Christ arisen, yearns to reach the souls in prison through all depths of sin and loss, sinks the plummet of the cross. Never yet abyss was found deeper than thy love can sound. Oh, the depth of the love of God. We don't really sometimes know how to deal or comprehend the length of his love. And we cannot perhaps understand the breadth or the stretch of his love, but we all can understand the depths of life. We all know what it is to feel the deep places of life. And he said, my love, is strong enough and it's great enough to reach down below everything and lift you up. By his height, the love of Christ speaks to us of where it wants to take us. It wants to take us up. His love wants to lift us up as high as the heavens. His love has plans for all of us. I don't know, I really wanted to ask one of our intelligent men around here how far away the nearest star is. Maybe somebody else knows. How far is the nearest star from the earth? Anybody know? How many? Four light years. How much is a light year? 186,000. Oh, my God, you already got me too deep. 186,000 miles per second. That's a light year. That's moving on, folks. That man knows what he's talking about. And the Bible says that God sits on the circle of the earth. Somewhere out there, wherever that part is that is the edge of our universe... That's where God sits. That's the analogy that the scripture uses. That God sits on that. And yet his love wants to take me higher even than that. Oh God. That we can understand that love that is so wide and so long and so deep and so high. It wants to take me to a better place. He wants to raise me to a, a better place. The psalmist said, He has raised me from a horrible pit to sit in heavenly places. His love is so powerful that it can lift the worst of us out of the fog of life, out of sin, failure, despair, no matter what it is. His love began in glory and it came down to earth and now His love is working in the earth to take us to glory. Let me ask you a question. Why would anybody in their right mind not want to get connected to that kind of love? Why would anybody in their right mind walk away from somebody like that? Why would anybody marginalize someone like that in their life? And put God over in a corner or in some little cabinet or in some little category or in some compartment and bring Him out only when you need Him. If His love is that, and it is all that, it's bigger than life. It's bigger than we can comprehend, it's greater than we can even fathom or imagine. A love. That would cause him to go through all that he went through at Calvary. The bleeding. The whipping. All of that was for me. Isaiah 53 says. That he bore our iniquities. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And he has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Smitten of God. And afflicted. The next verse. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our mess-ups. He was wounded for our mistakes. He was wounded for our shortcoming. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. What does that mean? That means everything that we need in life to live a peaceful life. He took care of it at the cross. Whatever would interfere in my life and cause me to be worried or cause me to be afraid or cause me to be fearful, whatever it is in life that causes me to be anxious or nervous, He dealt with it on the cross. He allowed that to be nailed with Him to that tree so that when I came along 2,000 years later... There would be a price that had been paid and a penalty that had been taken care of so that I would not have to carry that weight. And so he bore those things to his cross. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by his stripes, by his stripes, by his stripes we are healed. Oh, love of God, How rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure. Oh, love of God. And to think that we would come this morning to celebrate an Easter Sunday and not think about that is almost tantamount to, I don't know. Why would we not want to talk about it? He wasn't afraid to go there and die. He wasn't afraid to go there and suffer. Oh, that you would be filled with an understanding of that kind of love today. And oh, that you would be moved by that love. A love that paid a price that he didn't owe, but you did. Oh, the depth, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest above. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. And to think this morning that all of the things that we wrestle with, fears that we struggle with, shortcomings that we can't seem to get over, he took them And he allowed them to take spikes that were even larger than this and nail him and them to his cross. And he said, I have it covered. I have it covered. Now I want to ask you something this morning. If he has done that for you, why can't you do that for yourself? I want you to stand with me right now. Every one of you have an index card that you were given. I want you to take that card and I want you to carefully consider what I'm about to say. And then I want you to respond. Calvary represents salvation. It represents healing. It represents deliverance. It represents love. It represents hope. Easter. Easter Sunday. It wouldn't matter what he did on Calvary if Easter Sunday hadn't happened. All that happened on the week before would not have meant anything. But he did come out and he put a seal on it. And that tomb is still empty. I wonder how many of you this morning have loved ones that are not living for God today. That he died for. That he died that they might be free from their sin. Why don't you put their name on that cross again today? How many of you came into this service weighted down with some guilt? Your own failures. Somebody in this building struggling with a habit you can't break. Every time you try to get above it, it gets hold of you and pulls you back down. He nailed your habit to his cross. Why don't you nail it to to his cross this morning? Why don't you take what he's already said I've taken care of and say, you know what, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give this back to you. I can't break it. I don't know how to do it. But you said in your word that your love was deep enough. It was wide enough. It was high enough. It was far enough that there was nothing that was left out of your love. Lord, if you did that for me, why can't I go ahead and give that to you this morning? How many of you have... Dreams or hopes of a better life. Wherever you're at right now, struggling, going through difficult times. Do you know he died at Calvary for those kind of dreams? He died so that those hopes could be, a, could they, they could be enjoyed. He died so that one day you could know that peace. He died so that one day you could know that joy. If He would nail it to His cross, why don't you nail it to His cross? I'm not asking you to save yourself. I'm just asking some of you to do for yourself what He's already done for you. He's already taken care of it. And by doing what I'm asking you to do this morning, it is simply an act of faith that says, God, if you've already dealt with this, Why am I still struggling? If you died for this, if you died so that they could be saved, Lord, I just want to remind you that I'm in agreement with you this morning. I want to see them saved too. Lord, you bore the iniquity of us all. You you carried the shame of every mistake. Some of you are struggling this morning with mistakes that you made years ago in your life and you've never gotten rid of it. Why don't you nail it to a cross this morning? Why don't you leave it with him? Say, you know what, God, I I can't carry that weight anymore. I want every head bowed in the building, every eye closed. If they could turn the lights down, please. Father, I I don't know if I've done an adequate job this morning. Conveying the message that you gave me. But I hope that somewhere in this mill Somebody has been able to feel. The touch of your love upon their life. And that you. Almost 2,000 years ago. You took our sin. You took our failures. You took our mistakes. You took our shortcomings and you nailed them to your cross. God, this morning I just, I want to join in agreement with you. I want to say in my life that those things in my life are nailed there as well. I'm not going to resurrect something that you have put to death. I'm not going to bring back to life something that you've dealt with. I want to leave it at the cross this morning. I want to leave it at the cross this morning. I want to leave it at the cross. Lord, there are things in my life that I, I desire so greatly to be, to be visualized and experienced. I'm dealing with an infirmity in my body that I don't understand, but I know that by your stripes we are healed. And so I want to bring my infirmity and I want to leave it at the cross today. I want to bring my problem and I want to leave it at the cross today. I, I want to do what you did. I want to nail it to that cross. And by nailing it to that cross, I am saying it's taken care of. It's covered. It's dealt with. It's forever settled. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us all to be honest. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that hesitates to respond to you, that they would feel those loving arms reaching out to them and closing them. Amen. I invite you to come right now to the front. We have pins here. We have nails. We have hammers. Amen. I wonder how many of you would join with me this morning and let's nail something there that that we know that He has promised that He would take care of. Maybe a loved one that's lost, a backslidden state, perhaps a healing in your body, perhaps a problem that you can't seem to overcome, a sin that you can't seem to get beyond. Why don't you... Why don't you write it down this morning and come and put it on that cross just like He bore it. That son that's away, that daughter that's away, that family that's fractured. He died for the fractured family. He, he bore that shame. He, he carried that weight of our mistakes, our failures, our shortcomings, our sins. Oh, yes, He did. Yes, He did. Yes, He did. He carried them away. He carried them away. Nailing them to the cross. Nailing them to the cross. Nailing them to the cross.